Luke 13, 10. This says, On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. A woman there had an evil spirit that had made her ill for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her and he said, Woman, you are free from your illness. He placed his hand on her, and at once she strained up and praised God. The official at the synagogue was angry that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. So he spoke up and he said to the people, There are six days in which we should work. So come in during those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrite, anyone of you would untie your rocks, your donkey from the stall, and take it to the water on the Sabbath. Because now here is this, the, a descendant of Ab Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years. Should she not be released on the Sabbath? His answer made the enemies ashamed of themselves, while the people rejoiced of all the wonder thing, wonderful things that Jesus did. This story is a fascinating story. This story reflects my life. It says that this woman had known nothing but probably misery for 18 years. She was in, hinder in a hindrance. She had a sickness. She was bent over. But then all of a sudden, she was set free in a moment of a time. When you read this story, this story does not know injustice to the attitude of Jesus when he saw her. It's as though he was saying to her, you had enough. You need to be free. It's as though he was waiting for her. Today, those who have planned this service have been praying that you come today. And today, Jesus is going to tell you, you're going to be set free. You're going to be touched. You're going to be healed. For those who have been praying, have been praying for you. Some of us here today in this room, we're bound by some. That's why you're in the home. That's why you come to church. Like a sin, a sickness, something that keeps us down, something that doesn't let us give all to God. And some of you have been trying to get set free, but you haven't been set free yet. You have been chained, handcuffed, you've been in prison, you've been shackled, you've been trapped in the same thing over and over again. And this is how I was when I first came to Victory Outreach more than 25 years ago. I come from an abusive family when I was a small kid. My father was abusive to us. I have a, a family of seven brothers, only one sister, the youngest one. My dad was an alcoholic. He used to beat us, he used to beat my mom. And he, I remember just my mom, when I come home from school, I would see her thrown on the floor. Or I see her crying on the couch. Or I see my dad all drunk, passed out on the floor. I see my little sister crying next to my mom. And I remember that's the house that I, raised, I grew up in, not knowing what was going to happen next, scared to move, to talk, scared to go near my dad. But he got tired. And the next thing we knew, he was not longer with us. He had left us. At six years old, I didn't have a dad no more in the house. All my older brothers were mad. They were in the streets. And during that process, as I started growing up, I remembered all that. I remember that hurt. I remember what happened to my mom. I remember my little sister crying. And so what did I go do at an early age, 10, 11 years old? I was there in the street starting to drink, do alcohol, smoking weed, running with, the, with the, the, the guys in the street. And so I winded up growing up in the streets. My mom all of a sudden had to take care of her children. 
And so she got a job where she could because she barely was educated, barely learned English. And so she went to go work where she can accommodate herself, and that was at the bars. Started working at the bars. I remember sitting behind the bars, my mom serving the men, a lot of men in her life, me and my sister. And so that's the life we grew up I grew up in. My mom sleep all day, and we see her just trying to support the house. And during the day, she'd be asleep because she had to work all night. And so we winded up outside, taking off, doing what we wanted. We had no supervision. So we got real, really bad for us. And sometimes they, they, when my mom got diabetes, she would be passing out. She would go to the hospital. So they put us in foster homes for a while. We run away. They pick us up, take us back to the foster home. And so this is the life I, I, I was growing up in. My older brothers took off. Then later on, about maybe four or five years later, my, my dad came back in our life just to take my older brothers and left my three, me, my, my sister, and another older brother than me with my mother. And so I lost my older brothers in my life. They went to Arizona. So I had a lot of feelings in my life. I had a lot of anger, a lot of insecurity. I had a lot of, a lot of hate towards my dad. I blamed him for everything. So this is the life that I lived, doing drugs at an early age. And then by the time I was already 15, 13, I was in and out of jail, in and out of juvenile hall. I was already tired of the life. I was already getting tired of drugs. And then I was tired of doing the things I was doing. Started selling drugs, PCP, cocaine. I was selling all kinds of drugs. This is the life that I lived. I was an alcoholic, drinking. And then I remember there just trying to make money because my mom was barely making it. And my mom wouldn't want to take our money because she knew we were dealing drugs, me and my older brother. And we tried to buy stuff and put food in the refrigerator and all that without her knowing. And so we just tried to live. We tried to live a life that we could. And it was, it was just a hard life for us, man. And I had a lot of anger and I hated my dad. And I believe, I believe that's what really made me go into drugs more. And I remember just starting dealing drugs. And I remember one time just buying the uh, 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 some. I just got paid, and I and I bought to go sell some PCP. And always before I I, I sell it, I like to try it out because I was a drug addict. And I remember trying it out, and I took off to go sell it at a party. And I remember not even getting there. The next thing I remember is I'm waking up in jail because apparently I think on the way down there, I zombied out. I zombied out in an intersection in downtown San Jose where I grew up. I was told later that my hands were frozen to the steering wheel and I was just zombied forward looking. I remember cars going around me honking. I was in the middle of the intersection. And they said the cops came, they tried to pull me out, they were trying to release my hands from the steering wheel. They, they said that, that it took them a few minutes to finally get my hands released. And they had to handcuff me, put me in, a, in, a, in, like in a jacket and they took me to jail because they knew what PCP can do people. Some people snap and they can do all these crazy things. Because San Jose was the capital of PCP way years back. And so they locked me up and I was there in, in jail and, and I was just you know, reflecting on my life. Because two weeks earlier, to be honest, I wanted to die. Because two weeks earlier, I got the news that somebody called me up and told me, you know what, you need to check yourself for HIV, AIDS, because I'm infected, and I know I had re sexual relationships with you. 
So two weeks earlier, man, I got the news that I might be infected. So all that was in my mind, all that was happening to me, and I winded up getting checked, and sure enough, I was infected with HIV AIDS. As a matter of fact, I was borderline full-blown AIDS. So I'm in the jail cell, tripping out. I'm here, I'm in jail. They found a lot of drugs on me. I'm HIV AIDS, and they're probably gonna send me to prison, and I'm probably gonna die in prison of AIDS. So that's the way I came in. And you know, it's incredible how sometimes we find ourselves in situations of different dilemmas. And in that jailhouse, right there, I started just crying out and, 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 and just saying, why am I living like this? Why did this happen to me? Why am I this person of all the people? Why am I like this here? Why did this happen to me? And I was questioning. I guess I was questioning God. But I didn't know because I didn't know God. I was just talking out loud. I was tired of the life that I had lived. And I remember when I walked away to go take a shower, I came back. And some of you might know my life already, my story. But I came back, and there was a small Bible on my bed. And I never picked up a Bible before. I never read a Bible before. And I don't know who put that Bible there because there was no Christians that came up to me and said, hey, could I talk to you about Jesus or Jesus loves? No, no, but none of that happened in there. So I believe today it was an angel of God that put that angel, that Bible right there years back. I, that's what I believe. Because if a Christian's going to come and put a Bible on bed and not say nothing, he ain't a Christian. You know? And I remember picking up the Bible and I started reading it. And see, I did have one brother, one of my older brothers that came back after many years and came back and lived in, in a town. He got married. He brought his wife from Arizona. And he, he became a Christian. And he was ministering to me. And he was ministering to me for a long time, but I was rejected the, the gospel. I didn't want to accept Christ. But that night in that jailhouse, at night, when reading the word, I started remember, remembering everything he was telling me for the last years, that Jesus loved me, that Jesus can change me, that at least he can do something in my life. You know, I didn't even know what I did that night, but that night I told, I told God, God, if everything my brother said that you can do to me, if you can do it, if, you re if really you can change my life, you can set me free of this hurt, these drugs that I, I'm doing, you, you can do it. I said, you can do it, because my brother said you could. And if you do it, I'll give you my life. And I remember started crying right there in that bed. I remember started crying, and I haven't cried in a long time. And I was crying right there in that bed, and I told Jesus, change my life. I'm tired of this life. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to die with AIDS. I don't want to live like this. And I remember crying in the bed, and, and I fell asleep. The next morning, I had to go to court. I already went through a couple of weeks of the process of the, the courts, and I was already going to go get sentenced to go to prison for six years. That was the deal that I already had originally. So I went in there getting ready to go to prison, but I didn't know I gave my life to Jesus the night before. Because when you give your life to Jesus, doesn't you know God changes things. When you give your heart to God, it's, things start happening. So the next morning when I went to jail, to the, the courthouse from jail, the DA calls me with my attorney, my, my, my public de defender. They tell me, they want to talk to you another deal. What do you mean another deal? Because see, all those times that I, since I was a kid, I was in and out of jail, in and out of juvenile hall, all those times that I got arrested, they said the county at least has to offer you one time rehab. 
before they send you to the state prison. I, I didn't know that, so I didn't, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> and they don't tell you either, you know. But they offered it to me, and they said, do you want this? We'll give you another deal. If you accept this deal, we'll send you to a program because we got to do that before we send you to state. And I go, well, I'm a drug addict, but I'm not dumb, you know. I'll take the deal, <laughs> you know. I'll take it. I'll go to the, uh, instead of prison, I'll go, to, I'll go to the home for six months or a program. And that's how I winded up in Victory Outreach. And, and right here, Mark, and yeah, so 25 years ago, I winded up in Victory Outreach because God opened the door for me. See, you know, that's, what, that's what's, what's crazy is that sometimes you find yourself in situations and different dilemmas, and, and you don't know what to do. But you know what I found that was more even incredible? Of knowing the love of God, the salvation of God, but then not knowing the, the power of God. Because a lot of Christians that have experienced God, but not have experienced his power. And you're still walking bound. You're still struggling with sin. You're still carrying that burden on you. You've had experience. You accepted him as your savior, but you still haven't received the power of God upon your life. You see, I struggled with my walk in the Lord when I first came in. I experienced God. I accepted him, but I was still carrying a burden on my back. I was still struggling in the home when I got here. I was still bent over like this woman, trying to bring the mentality of the streets of the world into the home. Watch out, guys, if you bring that mentality of the streets and the world to the home, that's going to keep you bent over. It's not going to strengthen you out. I was like this woman, thinking in the flesh, acting in the flesh, wanting to feed the flesh. But see, Paul speaks in about Romans 7, what? Adam Clark describes a, a person who is a pre-Christian state. It's someone who has been awakened to God but has not yet accepted his full power. Some of you are frequently still bound here. You're still, you're still struggling. Yeah, you have received God, but you haven't experienced the power of his deliverance. Sometimes you find a way out, but then only find yourself back doing the same thing, which seems only to sidetrack you. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. After all, I spent a long time in that sin. I've been in the prison sin for a long years. Back then when I couldn't understand about myself is when I decided one way, then I'd act another. When I, I didn't want to do this, but I winded up doing it. Can somebody relate to that? Huh? You see, I decided not to do bad, but then I go ahead and do it anyways. That's how I was in the home. That's how I was in the church when I first came in. My decisions were such as those that they didn't get the best results. Something was wrong still within me. It got the best of me every time. The devil would lie to me and tell me all kinds of stuff, and I would believe him. Are you I believe in the devil here this morning? Are you believing the lies of the devil? Are you still doing that because you're believing the lies of the devil? So when I came to the church, I wanted to serve God. I love my pastor Steve. I love the preachings. I love what he said about the ministry and about being used. But then I would put myself back down. I was bent again. I would put the burden back on me. Why? Because I hadn't released what I had in my heart. I hadn't released, accepted that God was with me. Even though I had HIV AIDS, the devil told me, why are you going to serve God? Why are you giving God your life? You're going to die with AIDS anyways. Why are you going to give God and that man your life? When you're going to die, maybe in six months. I didn't know how long I was going to live. 
six months, a year, maybe two years. I don't know. Back then, it was her- I was horrible, the, the, the disease, because it was brand new, and everybody was freaking out, and, and you, it's, you were taboo. I, right before I came and got busted, I, I was leaving my brother, and I was rejected by my sister-in-law. I had to be careful going in there and what I said and what I touched. Every time I'd take a shower, she would jump right in there and scrub the whole thing down with Clorox. She'd give me some plates. Every time I'm going to eat them, she would throw them away. She wouldn't want me to touch her kids, and I would feel rejected. I would feel belittled. I would be feeling like, God, this is how I'm going to live all my life now. Is everybody going to treat me like this? Because they were scared of what this disease could do. Because there were a lot of ignorant folk. Because you don't get the disease just by touching, hugging, by eating off the same plate. Hopefully now we're educated to, to treat somebody right nowadays. Because they still, they need love. And I thank, thank God for Pastor Steve because he loved me. Sister Josie, my pastor's wife, they love me. My home directors love me. And they're the ones who encouraged me. They're the ones who spoke to me live. These men of God that I had around me are the ones that encouraged me. And I had one dedicated every Thursday take me to my appointments from Hayward all the way to San Jose. And I would go every Thursday. It was routine. And Pastor Steve gave me permission to go. And yeah, once in a while, we'll stop at the hamburger joint. <laughs> you know? But we, I would go like routine. They would take out six vials of blood. Give me some vitamin shots, prescribe my 15 pills, and then I go back home. And that was my life, but I was growing in faith. I was growing in the word. I was growing in my prayer. I was trying to grow, but every time the devil would tell me, why are you serving God? And sometimes we want to serve God, but you hear the devil in your ear telling you, why are you going to serve God? And that was my struggle. And I believe that's what happened with this woman when she had an interaction with Jesus. This woman had a desperate dilemma. We can relate to this woman, her bondage, because sometimes we find ourselves in the situation that we feel as though we're imprisoned by something. Her situation was really bad. She was twisted, bent over, and the position she found herself in was unhealthy. It says that she was bent over. Bent over means bound. Bent over means that you're, 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 you're held by something. Bent over will stop you in ways you never thought possible. You will even think different. Sometimes twisted. You try to 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 not you don't see the objective or you don't or you don't you don't really see the the reality of things. Pastor C used to call it stinking thinking. And we have that sometimes. And we talk ourselves into things. And we believe it's going to be okay. I ask you, whatever sickness, whatever sin is changing your perspective this morning, let me let you know that Jesus wants to change your perspective. Jesus wants to change your life. Jesus wants to already set you free this morning. He wants to remove whatever's dragging you down and keeping you shackled this morning. See, for years I struggled with this sickness. I was being affected. I was in the church already. I was already going to my appointments for a number of years. And I was trying to grow to another level of faith and my calling. But all of a sudden, I would just bend myself back. I'd be sick. The devil would be lying to me. I would put the chains back on again. 
depressed, doubting God, doubting my calling, doubting my life. For me, I had been a dilemma for a long time. Like this woman, she had been afflicted for a long time, 18 years. What tragedy, what thing in, in, in your life has is, is been on for a long time now? For me, I was infected for seven years. I was addicted to drugs for 17 years of my life. How long have you been struggling with your battle? How long have you been carrying that burden? How long have you have that secret in your heart? How long have you been struggling with those issues in your life? How long will you go on without seeking the deliverance of God? Why would you attempt to break free on, on your own when God can do it for you? Why would you attempt to break free on your own when God already has the solution for you? See, God stands here ready to help you. I'm amazed sometimes of how a person will go down a road that they know it's not right. And they just keep on going. They know it's not right. But sick or sickness, sin or sickness usually has a grip on us. And when it has a grip on us, it's hard to let go. Can somebody hear me? Look, what happens to you is no longer you. So you participate in the civil, sinful habits. You do what you shouldn't do because it has you bound. And that's what it was, man. I just walked and I wanted to serve God and all of a sudden I just, no, I, want, I didn't give my all. Or I would do things I know I shouldn't be doing because I was still bound. So the longer you participate in your sinful habits or your, you accept your situation, the easier it is to tune out your conscience. You become hard of hearing to the things of the Spirit of God. You become a skillful in shutting out the voice of reason within you. And you keep on believing the lies of the devil and you keep faking that you're okay. And it's a fake because the devil's a fake. Sometimes you're doing things that you know are wrong, yet you've done them so long they almost feel right. And that's how we live our lives sometimes. We think it's okay because we've done it so long. And this woman could do nothing. About it on her own, she couldn't even look up, it said. She was powerless to be set free. She had lived all those years in the state where it was just easier for her to stay down, look down instead of fighting. And sometimes we get like that. Sometimes we just give up. And this is the way I am. This is the way I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay bent. But let me tell you, Jesus here wants to straighten you out this morning. He wants to lift you up. He wants to lift you up and send a power upon your life. She lived all those years like this. And some of you have already given up. You think there's no hope. You think there's no way to change or to be free of your struggle or your sickness. I don't care if that sickness is AIDS, cancer, diabetes. God can do anything. God's a healer. God's a liberator. So don't give up. It's easy to, to believe the lies of the devil. Because you know why it's easy? Because we're bound. And the devil wants to destroy your life. Some of you have only experienced defeat, despair all your life like I did. That's why you're in and out of church. You can't figure it out. That's why you're struggling. That's why your marriage, you have a lot of problems. You're up and down with God in your spiritual walk. And your marriage, your kids are feeling it too. Day after day, week after week, year after year. How long are you going to go on like this? 
God wants to set you free here this morning. Man, for seven years, like I said, I struggled with this walk, going to the clinic. I was tired of the devil lying to me, but I would believe it next time he lied to me. And see, he would tell me, why are you serving God? That was his good one, man. Why are you serving God? If you're going to die of AIDS, everything you're doing is in vain. And I remember one day driving to church. I was driving to church, and I remember I was going to go and early go pray. And I believed God for everything. My pastor would tell me that we serve an almighty God. God has called me, and he can heal me. He can do miracles in my life. And I started believing. And I was believing all kinds of stuff that God would just use my life. But then one day when I was driving to church, I remember a bus passing me up. And on the side of the bus, had a big sign on the side of the bus that was an a advertisement for the foundation of raising funds for AIDS. And it said, prayer can't cure AIDS. And when I seen that and I read that, I go, what? I've been praying for my healing, for my miracle for AIDS. And, and that was like a slap from the devil that came upon my life. And I go, devil, you're a liar. I rebuke you. I know that God can heal me. I know I've been praying for a miracle. You're a liar, devil. I accept that miracle power upon Christ. And let me tell you, driving to church, I was in battle. I was yelling at the top of my lungs, devil, you're a liar. I rebuke you. I bind you right now. I know I serve a healing miracle God. God does miracles today. And I know that God's going to touch me one day. And I was crying. I was yelling. And I went to church. And I went to the altar. And I said, God, I know that you called me. I know that you can touch me. I know you can do something in my life. And I just remember being broken at the altar. And I believed. And I was believing. And I was believing. You see, I could relate to this woman and her hopelessness. I could relate to this woman because I wanted to be free also. And I've been for so long already carrying that burden, that sickness, already thinking I'm going to die next week, next month. When's my time? And it's okay to say that you want to be set free. It's okay to say that you need help. It's okay to say that some, you, you want to leave your life that gets you bound. Who's hearing me this, this afternoon? See, if you really want to, to be set free, you have to go to the one that's going to free you. You've got to put yourself in a place where you have to interact with God. Because God is here. He's here right now. I feel his presence. He's everywhere. He knows you. He sees you. He wants you. He wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free here this afternoon. That secret, he knows about it. He wants to do something in your life. That's why he's here. That's why he brought you here today. Not because you were invited. It's because God has a purpose and a plan. You see that day in my car driving to the church? By yelling and rebuking the devil and all that? Well, I wasn't alone. God was there in the car with me. And he was giving me the strength. And he was anointing me to rebuke that devil. And he was there with me. And I felt it. And I pressed in since that moment on. I pressed in in my spirit, in my heart, in my relationship with God. I went into deeper prayer. I went more in the word. I gave more of my life to God. I felt something break in my, in my walk with the Lord. I pressed in. I served. And I changed to another level of breakthrough because I knew God was there for me. Some of you need a breakthrough in your life here this afternoon. Some of you have been doubting your calling for too long. Some of you have been too comfortable. 
You've been in the church too long. God wants to take you to another level this afternoon. Who can hear me this afternoon? You see, in the story we read, the miracle of Jesus was one that miracles were happening all over the place. Jesus was known all over the country. People were flocking to see what he was going to do next. And it's not out of the realm of the rea reality or, or reason to think, why would this woman then in the synagogue? What, what was she there for? It doesn't say that she was a religious woman. or She says the woman was there when Jesus saw her. You know why she was there? Because she wanted something from Jesus. You got to want something from Jesus. Because a lot of you don't want nothing from Jesus. You need to want something from him. The great thing about this church is that it's, that it's not filled with a bunch of shiny-faced, sparkling little Christians. This woman was present in the church. She was in place where God was. How do you know God's here already? The delirium power of God is here already. You're here already in front of the presence of God. See, we're not around people who are obsessed with how they look or how they, how they should be. That's not our focus while we come to church. This is not a showroom. It's a Holy Ghost hospital. Amen? This is not a fancy big wink back 4A of some hospital. No, this is a room. This is the, the church where, where, where real work is done. This is the emergency room. This is ICU. This is where they do surgery spiritually. Who's hearing me this afternoon? This is where healings can happen, deliverance can happen, chains can be broken. This is where God can set you free. But you got to believe it and look for it. See, this is not some dining room. This is the kitchen where the preparations are done. For only the best is served. Prepare for the best. You're the best. Victor Average, you ain't fake. We're part of a special anointed lineage. Our pastors, Steve and Josie Pineda, Pastor Stephen and Chela, our founders, Pastor Sonny and Julie. We come from an anointed lineage of God. You're part of the inheritance of something special. You're the power is behind that to set you free, to raise you up, to use you to the, to the max of God. This woman longed to be free from her prison and physical challenge. I really believe that some of you here are longing to be set free. I really believe some of you are tired of your struggle, tired of being weak, tired of falling for the same trap again. And you don't want anyone to know about what's really happening in your life. And you're tired of trying to do it on your own, but you just seem to always fall on the same thing. So, you know what? But at least you're here. And that says a lot because God is present. God is here. And God knows your heart. He doesn't judge you like man judges you. God sees your heart. And he sees a potential. You probably see a one, but God sees a ten in you. And he wants to get you to that ten. See, that's how it was. I thought I was a one. Or one and a half minus. I, I, had, I was low self-esteem. I couldn't do nothing. I didn't feel any kind of confidence. But God saw a lot more levels than I saw. It's not until you start believing in yourself that you can, but you're not going to believe yourself if you don't believe in Christ. Because he wants to take you to that another level in your life. See, I remember one time I organized for Pastor Stephen Josie 
an HIV AIDS awareness class in the church because all of a sudden Pastor Steve started hearing somebody else got it. This family got it. The son of this mother, a brother, a husband. And so everybody was like scared. The church was scared, and, and, and Pastor C talked to me, and, and, and I go, you know what, Pastor, let me see if I can educate the church. So I got my wife, and we went around and got information. I went to the clinic, the Rocio, and we got the nurses to come in, to educate it. I expected maybe 30, 20 people. Over 200 people came to that meeting that night because they wanted to know. And I kind of came out that night. Nobody knew. I was already in leadership. And I was there, and I says, you know what, we're here, and we want to have an HIV aid awareness meeting class because without knowledge, we're ignorant. And you're afraid of stuff you don't have to be afraid of. You're rejecting someone that you could be loved. I go, and you know what? You're my family, I told them. I've been here already for so many years, and I feel your love. But would you really love me if I told you I'm affected with HIV AIDS? And they went, whoa. It's like it got quiet. I told him, yeah, I've been affected since I came in. I go, but you're my family. You're the ones who love me to go forward. I go, and I don't want you to be afraid of me. So I called the nurse up. She educated everybody, and we gave out pamphlets. I had a whole table. There was not one pamphlet on that table when people left. And then all of a sudden, at the end, I was going to close in prayer. I go, anybody here want to say something? All of a sudden, this brother, Brother Richard, I have HIV AIDS. I've been affected. I've been carrying this by myself for a long time. And I was scared to say anything. And he just started crying. And some brothers went and hugged him. And then some sister, she goes, you know, my husband, he has AIDS too. All of a sudden, people started just raising their hands. My nephew, my son, my brother. And all of a sudden, we felt like a spirit of God of healing just fell upon our church. Like God just just healed us removed that fear and I remember God was present see God's present he's with you you just got to step out and look for him you see that woman was present she was in a place where her miracle could happen and you're present right now for God to set you free of that stroke. You're here present now for God to break those chains. You're here now for God to heal you of that sickness, of that cancer, that diabetes, that epilepsy. God can heal you. God is present here this morning. The delivering power of the Lord is already here in this church. God provides deliverance. When Jesus called her over, she came. She came to where he was. Too often we think God needs to meet us. Something we think that God has to come to where we're at. No, she went to where Jesus was. That's when, when it worked. She came to him. That's great when it works that way and you, he comes to you. But there are times that when we have to come to Jesus. Can you envision this lady hopping over to Jesus? Huh? Where he was standing. And I bet she came over there expectantly. She came over there hopefully. She came over there with faith. Jesus is waiting today to set you free. He's waiting today to heal. He's waiting you today to do something in your life that you've been wanting. To experience something new. Experience freedom, deliverance, healing. God wants to do it here to you today. He wants to set you free. But you have to come to him. 
you have to get up out of that lie of the devil. You have to get up of that lie that you've been telling yourself all these years and get up and walk towards Jesus. Do you realize this morning that having the Lord say those words to you is better than the pardon of the governor or the president? You are free? Man, I'd rather hear that from God anytime. It's God's will to deliver us from sin and sickness. It's God's will to set us free from bondage. He wants us. That's why he died on the cross for us. He wants us free. He wants us healed. John 8, 36, 36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Free from sin. Free from sickness. It's not ridiculous. It's true. It's here. I'm a testimony of God's power. He set us free from sin. He delivered us. He can heal you from cancer. He can heal you from, from sickness. Diabetes, hip C, it's not ridiculous. We serve a miracle serving God today. Psalms 147.3 says, He heals the broken heart. It binds up their wounds. God's grace is not here to cover your sin. He's here to deliver you from it. God's grace is not here to cover up your sins, brother. He wants to set you free from them. Jesus Christ offers us deliverance from the things that bind us and refrain us from being who we really should be in Christ. And you know what? That woman felt his touch. When Jesus touches you, you're going to feel his touch, and you're not going to be the same. Once Jesus touched the blind man he saw, he touched the deaf man he heard. He touched a young boy, and he raised to life. Jesus wants to touch you this afternoon. Tell your, your neighbor, Jesus wants to touch you this afternoon. He wants to deliver. He wants to come over. He wants to touch you. When God delivers, it's a miracle. When God touches, he does a miracle. See, this woman was crooked. She was bent over, but she made up straight. In a moment, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. I was lost but bound, but now I am free. And I see. Victory Irish Heart, listen to me. I remember after that big fight I had in my car with the devil, and I was not alone with God in there. God helped me fight, rebuked the devil. He gave me strength, he broke me, touched me, and he showed me he was with me. It had been seven years of being bent over. It had been seven years being affected with HIV AIDS. It was seven years the devil had been lying to me that I'm going to die. It had been seven years every Thursday going to the doctor, taking out six vials of blood. It had been seven years receiving 15 pills and going back and forth and listening to this for seven years, doing this for seven years. But I remember after that prayer and that breakthrough, the next time I go to the doctor, and I went to the doctor like routine, like always the same thing. I went in like nothing. I went over there, and I'm sitting down, and I'm waiting for my doctor to come in. And my next appointment, just like clockwork, my doctor comes in and tells me, Richard, you got to have to take your test again because the last test you took says you don't have AIDS in your blood. When he told me that, I go, what? He goes, the last test you took says you have no AIDS in your blood. There must be a mistake. In that moment, I couldn't comprehend what he said. In that moment, I couldn't really catch what he said. And I go, what? There's no AIDS in your blood. But then I caught it. And the moment I caught it, I said, God, you healed me. 
In that moment that I caught it, I said, God, you healed me. In that moment, when he, I, I started saying, God, you healed me. You healed me. All of a sudden, I felt like a hot oil, hot anointing. Just start touching my head and going down through my body. And I know God was touching me in that moment. And I felt the healing of God just come upon my life right there in that, in that doctor's room. And I started crying. I said, God, you healed me. Lord, you healed me. And all of a sudden, that hot oil was just dripping through my body. And I could feel it. And I was just broken in that room crying. And my doctor comes in, and he sees me out crying there, and he says, what's wrong? You all right? And I just looked at him. I said, God healed me. God healed me, doctor. God healed me. I know he healed me. The doctor looked at me kind of crazy. He just walked out. And he came back, and he gave me my slip for my next test. Two weeks later, I took that test and waited for the results. And they said I still didn't have HIV AIDS in my blood. Another two weeks, I took another test, and they said the same thing. There's no HIV AIDS in your blood. One month, six months later, I took the test, and they tell me, you still have no HIV AIDS in blood. It might have been five years, 10 years, now it's going over 17 years that God has done a miracle in my life, and I am AIDS-free. I am healed of the virus, and I'm here to testify of the anointing power of Jesus Christ. He can break the yoke of bondage. He can set you free. He can touch you no matter what you're struggling with. Can we serve a miracle? Miracle serving God this day. God is awesome. We serve a miracle serving God. This woman gave praise to God. And his hands were there and he says, God wants to touch you. And I believe God wants to touch you here today.